Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Next doing in this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to be looking at the NBA playoffs round one. Most teams have at least two games under their belt, uh, and some have three. Uh, we're going to look at the series so far, how it looks, how things are going, and yeah, who's uh, in the driver's seat and kind of predictions. Uh, so we're going to start with Memphis versus the Timberwolves. So this is uh, the best team coming out of the playing game against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are a big surprise this season as a two-seed. And I think when you look at this, the Timberwolves on paper probably shouldn't win this series. But it is tied, and now we're going into Minnesota. So the way it works is now Minnesota has a chance to, you know, do damage in the first round and surprise a lot of people. And I think Minnesota is a team that in a lot of ways is not, you know, made for this. Like, I feel like um, Memphis is, but, you know, I think both of these teams deserve to be here. And in the case of the Grizzlies, they have... Arguably, and this is just my opinion, a top five point guard in John Moran. John Moran is a top five point guard in the NBA for sure. So I will say that um, out of pretty much anything. And so he is as good of a player as you can get in the NBA at point guard. And he's still very young and so talented. And you got to figure three of the top point guards in the NBA all went to small schools. Uh... Steph Curry went to Davidson, John Morant went to Murray State, and Damian Lillard went to Weber State. So uh, something about those small school point guards seem to be doing a lot better than the Duke and the Kentucky and the you know Kansas of it all. So uh, this is an interesting series, and if Minnesota can win Game 3 and Game 4 at home, then I can see an upset in Minnesota beating the, the Grizzlies. Um, I don't know if... They can do it, but if they can get two victories at home, that'll make it a 3-1 series, and they can take the edge, and they can take the victory and take the win. I think that's totally possible, but it's you know something they're going to have to really work hard to uh, accomplish. And Carl Anthony Towns is a great center, and I think Minnesota actually needs, um, needs this. And I think I saw a stat, which is a sad stat for Minnesota, is Chris Finch, if he can win this series is going to have more playoff basketball wins than any head coach in Minnesota Timberwolves uh, history. Because they haven't had any success in the playoffs. And the two guys that gave them any sort of chance at getting there both got you know traded away and had more success winning championships in other places. So this is a series that is going to be an interesting one to watch if Minnesota can somehow pull it out in this 1-1 matchup. Then we have the Utah Jazz versus the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm going to be honest with you when I say this. This is probably the most even series in this. It is probably as basic 4-5 matchup. Um, I could see this going either way. Series is tied 1-1. Now they're going um, and uh, taking this uh, to Utah. And so... This is a series that could go up and down, and I wouldn't be surprised if, at the end of the day, this is a seven-game series. Dallas, with Luka, 
has been great. Dinwiddle's been great for Dallas. I think, you know, Porzingis just didn't fit. And it's sad to think about what Porzingis turned into for Dallas. But Dinwiddle's been great for them. And they got him in the Porzingis deal. But I don't really think that what Dallas gave up was really that much at the end of the day to get Porzingis in the first place. They gave up two first-round picks, which... Uh, I mean, the first one hasn't really done too much, and they have a pick that's going to be probably in the 20s going in 2023 to um, the New York Knicks. And um, if Dallas is as good as they are this year, that's where it'll be. And so you gave up, you know, a decent haul to get uh, Porzingis, but it's not the end of the world because if Dinwiddle or Dinwiddie stays long-term, he was a nice piece that came out of that subsequent trade when Porzingis moved on to Washington uh, because he didn't work in uh, Washington. Utah Jazz, I think, have what a lot of people are saying is one of the best centers in the NBA, but he could be a bad contract in the future. Rudy Gobert is one of those do-it-all centers who has, you know, done so much in just a short sort of time frame. And I think for, for me, I like everything that you know, their team does, and I like what their team brings uh, to the table, and I think Utah has Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell and some great pieces, and, you know, Jason Kidd has been kind of stepping up as the, the head coach after Rick Carlisle was gone, and I think this team has, uh, and Dallas, done a lot to be happy about. I think Utah's done a lot to be happy about for their fan base, but if the Utah Jazz go through this playoffs this year and they lose to Dallas, or they win but lose in the next round, and they just lose it at some point, this could be you know tough for them because it was not too long ago that they were in the NBA Finals against Jordan and they didn't win a championship with Karl Malone and John Stockton, who are arguably up there in terms of top five players who never won a championship. Now you have Donovan Mitchell and you have um, Rudy Gobert and you can't get anything done with these guys obviously i don't think they're on that same level yet as malone and stockton but you never know how good they could get if they can't win a championship or get close enough it's going to be tough for utah for sure because that's not really a mecca for sports in general except if it's like alpine sports like skiing um i don't know i think this series is probably going to go seven and i wouldn't be surprised if dallas pulls this out luca he's got ice in his veins i think he can do it then we have a series that I think is already over. It's already uh, two games. St Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors against the Denver Nuggets. Golden State leads this series 2 to nothing. And going into Denver, I don't really see the Warriors losing this series. They might lose game three, but I don't really see them losing it. This is their series to, uh, to win, and they're going to win. And I wouldn't be surprised if... You know, they go four games because this is just how they are. Jokic is, between him and Embiid, two uh, top two centers in the NBA. He's probably the best center in the Western Conference. Uh, and, you know, he's a great player who's averaging, who averaged a double-double, 27, 13, and almost eight assists. Steph Curry in Golden State, this is nothing new for them. They've been here before. Steph, Clay, Draymond, Steve Kerr. These guys are veterans of the championship realm and have had rings to show for it. 
you have Jordan Poole who has stepped up big time uh, as sort of, uh, I think he was the 30th pick and now has come into his own, which is great to see. And then I want to take a second and talk about Andrew Wiggins and his sort of story because to a lot of people, he was sort of the forgotten child in Minnesota and was overpaid, and, you know, he was this highly touted prospect out of college. He went to Kansas. He was on the Cleveland Cavaliers with Kyrie Irving. And then LeBron James comes back, and he says, look, I don't want this guy who's going to be, like, a young guy kind of making his way through the NBA. I want a veteran. So they traded him to Minnesota. Kevin Love went to Cleveland. Andrew Wiggins had to watch his team that drafted him win a championship with the guy they traded for him he was kind of getting paid but he wasn't really living up to his contract and then a trade that at the time seemed kind of straightforward D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins and a draft pick turned into uh, Jonathan Kaminga who's been a decent rookie and Andrew Wiggins is a starter on the all-star team he's done so much in such a short sort of tenure I'm a huge fan of what Andrew Wiggins does for Golden State and this is the perfect example of somebody knowing their role fitting their role and being in a situation where he can fit nicely uh and just making that work like I just don't see him working in Minnesota and it could be the fact that Minnesota has an up and down coaching system the fact that they don't really have you know the greatest team surrounding them Uh, And whereas Golden State has these veterans and Golden State has a head coach in Steve Kerr who's been, you know, the guy. And, you know, there's a whole different situation when it comes to Golden State with all these sort of, you know, veterans in there who kind of take the reins and kind of run things. And they know what they're doing. And that's great for Andrew Wiggins. And I think that's great for their team. And as much as I want to say that... uh, you know, Denver has some sort of a fighting chance. It's really hard for me to say that because I don't think they have any chance. And I would be very, 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 very surprised if at the end of the day we see Denver come out of this on top. Because I just don't think it's going to happen. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. And yeah, I think they're going to, you know, at the end of the day... um, it's just going to be one of those things where uh, they end up, uh, you know, losing uh, losing the series. So I'm going to say Golden State is going to win this one pretty easily. It could even be four, um, but I wouldn't be surprised um, if uh, it's four or five uh, games. So let's keep moving. Uh, let's keep rolling on our list here. So we're going to go to our next game, which is a 2-0 series victory lead Miami Heat Atlanta Hawks. This one is, this one's a good one. Uh, And I want to talk about it because Miami is getting it done and they're doing it right. Jimmy Butler, uh, he's, he's doing good. Kyle Lowry joining in, doing, doing what he needs to do. You have uh, Bam Adebayo. you got some great role players. Tyler Hero has done well. So has Duncan Robinson. Miami, I've said this before, they don't have a good power forward. Their power forward game is weak. But every other position is just so 
by far and away great. And, I mean, they can always upgrade this offseason. They can make moves at the power forward if they need to and, uh, you know, fill that. But doesn't seem like they need it right now because they're rolling through Atlanta. Atlanta with Trey Young just seems like they're not that team this year. And I think they, they're the 8 seed, so you don't expect much out of an 8 seed. This is a matchup that I'm really, really, uh, you know, not that interested in. Miami versus Atlanta, I'm not interested in this matchup at all because there's nothing fun about it. There's no, oh, is this series going to change? Is something going to happen? This is a series that I think is going to be like Golden State. It's going to be a sweep, four games, five games, maybe if you're lucky, six, but not really. They're not going to win Atlanta. They don't have what it takes. Jimmy Butler and Pat Riley and, you know, Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat have everything going for them. And this is a series that they're going to win easily. And if you say otherwise, you're just wrong because Miami is a good team. Now, have I said that they're probably going to lose in the second round or in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals? Yes. And I think against a good opponent, they're probably going to lose. If they play Philly... They could lose that series. If they somehow make it and play against the Celtics, they could lose that series easily. And the same if they play Milwaukee. But at the end of the day, this series in the first round is a blowout. And Miami's going to come away with this in an easy fashion. No questions needed. Then we have series tied 1-1. to Milwaukee Bucks versus Chicago Bulls. This is going to be an interesting series. And it's going to be a series that honestly, is going to be fun to watch. I think you have last year's champions. They have a great team taking on DeMar DeRozan and the new Chicago Bulls. I think Chicago gives a good sort of run for their money to Milwaukee. And I think, you know, Milwaukee's a team that they should come out and just win and, like, take, you know, Chicago and just put the hammer down. But... This is probably a series that's going to be a lot a lot closer than um, many people expect. And Chicago at one point was fighting for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And I just want to point out that Milwaukee just rested all their players at the end of the, of the season. That last game was just like we're going to rest everyone, see what happens. I don't think they wanted to. I don't think they wanted to play Brooklyn. But at the end of the day, maybe Brooklyn would have been the better matchup. Maybe if Milwaukee had to play Brooklyn, they would have had an easier run. And uh, maybe it would have been, you know, a much quicker series than what could be Chicago versus Milwaukee. And we'll talk about uh, Boston and Brooklyn in a little bit. But for uh, the Bucks bulls this is going to be a closer series than probably Bucks fans want to see. I would love to see the Bulls win this series, and not just because... It could be an easier second-round matchup for for the Celtics, but I just think the Bulls, it's a good story. And the fact that, you know, Giannis, this is kind of like a David versus Goliath type thing in the sense that Milwaukee's been, you know, the champion, and they were a champion last year, and Giannis has been MVP, and you have sort of the, uh, you know, Chicago Bulls with DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic and uh, Alonzo and... You know, I think Chicago's figuring their way, and this series is going to be a great one to watch for sure, uh, for sure. Then we have series tied 1-1, to number one seed Phoenix Suns, number eight seed Pelicans, and 
Can't believe the Pelicans pulled it off in Game 2. But the Pelicans are the hottest team in basketball by a long shot. And the Pelicans are a team that nobody wants to mess with. And unlike Atlanta, the Pelicans are a team that have a slight chance of pulling off an upset here. Atlanta has no shot at winning that series. And the Pelicans with C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Valanchunas and their core... You know, they're a team that could do some damage. And the Pelicans remind me a little bit of the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, remember a few years ago when the Clippers, like, I think they won one or two games. They were an eight seed. Maybe they played Golden State. Um, I forget who they actually played. But uh, it was a first-round matchup, and they kind of showed people. what They had Doc Rivers. They were like, eh, maybe we can do something in the playoffs. And they kind of through, uh, you know, a few games where uh, they won and kind of made it a little more interesting than it should have been. This could be one of those series. I don't think the Pelicans are going to win this series because Phoenix is just Phoenix and they're dominant. But the Pelicans are a team where I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, two games, three games that they win is out of the realm of possibility. More so probably two games. But if this goes seven, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the way the Pelicans have been kind of playing towards the end of the season, they kind of pushed themselves towards the playoffs and pushed themselves to be where they are, um, going from what could have been top 10 pick to now being firmly a playoff team after the playing games. So this is an interesting series to watch, even though I probably would say Phoenix is going to win this one. My guess is six games. I think Pelicans will win a game at home, and we'll see what happens. I'd be very surprised if Phoenix loses this series, but hey, I guess uh, I guess we don't really know. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, so that's that. Uh, yeah, let's move on to our next uh, matchups here. So we have uh, a 2-0 to zero, uh, victory so far. Two wins for the Boston Celtics, and... In great fashion. Their first game, they basically put on a clinic. And if you look at what we see here, at least in my opinion, uh, we have a team that is built around stars. They're built around, you know, KD and Kyrie. And uh, you have the Celtics who have these homegrown talent players. You know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Obviously, Robert Williams is not uh, playing, but he's homegrown. Daniel Tice came to the NBA, and Boston was his first team. You know, outside of Derek White and outside of um, Al Horford, everyone else is homegrown. And for the most part, you know, that's a great thing to see. A lot of these other players kind of at the bottom end of the roster who don't get a ton of minutes, uh, you know, a lot of those guys aren't homegrown, but they don't really play enough to to warrant that uh, title um, of being sort of part of the core of Boston. But a lot of people thought this was going to be an upset series. A lot of people thought that the Celtics were going to just lose it and, you know, their run was going to end and the success that they've been having is going to end. And I think they've kind of said, eh, I don't know about that, bud. And coming back from down 17 in Game 2 to taking this victory by 7 against a Brooklyn team, that has crybaby Kyrie, who was flipping off every fan in TD Garden, and Kevin Durant, who didn't have his greatest effort in Game 1, but had a great effort in Game 2. 
Um, this seems like a series that a lot of people at first were like, well, maybe they have a shot at actually coming out and winning this. Now it's kind of like, well, Celtics are a two-seed. I see why. It's a pretty, you know, straightforward Celtics are going to win. And, you know, I think going home, potentially game three could be, you know, a troublesome game for the Boston Celtics, potentially. Uh, maybe, um, you know, they uh, lose a game in Brooklyn. But six games is not out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, and, you know, I think for Boston, they they look like a team that really can just get it done and that's, you know, something to to really talk about. You know, how they went from sort of that 11 seed in January to now being the 2 seed and a staunch 2 seed. They are a great team and they have so much going for them and you know, they've done so much in this sort of run. So, Yudoka has been a great head coach. Marcus Smart is Defensive Player of the Year, which uh, Gary Payton was the last like guard to be Defensive Player of the Year. He was there, and it uh, basically gave Marcus Smart the news that he had won the award. So, that's uh, great for him. Their defense is great. Their scoring is great. I think if Ben Simmons comes back, that could help. But at the same time, he hasn't played for them yet. So, how are you going to make that dynamic situation work? And I really don't know, but they have a great team in Boston. Is this Brooklyn Nets experience failing? Maybe. Did they waste all their draft picks? And did they get another, you know, Brooklyn Nets re uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce 2.0 situation where they traded away all their picks and stuff to get, oh, we have Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Jerron Williams and Joe Johnson and Brooke Lopez and we have all-stars and potential Hall of Famers, and we're going to be a great team. They had like two seasons where they were a playoff team, and then they flopped. Uh, is this the end of Brooklyn as a you know, potential playoff team? Kyrie, Durant, Ben Simmons, this core, is this the end? Or is this going to be the year where they say, look, we didn't win this series, but we'll come back next year? Because everyone thought they'd be great last year, and there were injuries and issues. And this year, the same thing. Oh, that would be great, but they were kind of not because they were the seven seed so this is a series that um i'm sure a lot of nba fans would have liked it to be a little bit more of a better series i like it how it is and i'd rather the celtics blow everyone out of the water and just four game sweep obviously if you don't like the celtics then you're not that type of a person but i think this is an easy series for boston in my opinion now I'm going to be honest in saying this. Philadelphia and the Raptors, it's a 3-0 series lead for Philly. I honestly thought going into this, it'd be a lot closer than what it is. Philadelphia is wiping the table with um, the Raptors. And I just want to talk about something that I was listening to. Um, so I was listening to The Herd, which is uh, Fox Sports 1, Colin Cowherd. He was talking about how 76ers at the trade deadline cleared out a lot of their fluff. They got rid of Ben Simmons, who's a problem. They got rid of Andre Drummond. They really had no use for him. They got rid of Seth Curry because they had to kind of clear him out. And bringing in James Harden means you're not going to have room for Seth Curry to get his minutes. The 76ers basically took their team, which had a lot of players, trying to get minutes, and now said, here's our core, here's our starters, this is what we're doing, this is how it's going. And pretty much that's what their team looks like. And... 
The 76ers have arguably the best center in basketball in Joel Embiid. Arguably one of the best guards in basketball in James Harden. And then a bunch of great role players headlined by Tobias Harris, who, while some people say he's getting paid way too much money, I say he's perfect and, you know, he's averaging, you know, close to 20 points a game. I think he's averaging like 18 points a game and he's great on defense. Philadelphia has figured it out and maybe trust the process hasn't really panned out, but trust the process gave Philadelphia the assets to trade for pieces to make things work. So do I think their model of trust the process worked? No, I thought it was a honestly a failure. Uh, Julia Logafer, Nerlens Noel, you know, Joel Embiid, um, you only hit on one of those guys. And you basically traded away a lot of shooters and scores for defense. And, you know, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, and Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid was not a great starting lineup at all. And that's what they had uh, at one point. And now they're a much more fluid roster with... Um, Maxi and James Harden and Thibold and uh, Tobias Harris and Embiid. I like a lot of what they're doing in um, Philly. And they're a team that, as I'm watching the Eastern Conference, Philly versus Boston could be a real NBA Eastern Conference Finals matchup. If somehow Chicago pulls it off, I think Celtics run through Chicago. If they have to play Milwaukee, I think the Celtics win, but it's probably going to be like seven games. I think Philly's going to wipe the floor with uh, Miami. Uh, I think it'll be five games, maybe six if Miami somehow can figure it out. But at the end of the day, there's uh, a lot of great matchups in this uh, round. There's a lot of surprises so far, and it's only you know two or three games in. But you know these teams are fighting and trying to you know have a good run, and we'll just got to kind of watch and see how the rest of the finals first round goes.